As the world scrambles to contain and study the new Omicron variant of COVID-19, Canada has reported its first few cases. As of Monday morning, there were two confirmed cases and four possible instances of Omicron in Ontario, discovered after the federal government announced a travel ban from several countries in Africa where the variant has spread more widely. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Ottawa Citizen Health reporter Elizabeth Payne joins me to discuss what we know about these initial cases, why Omicron has officials concerned, and whether it poses worries about resistance to vaccines as the country races to inoculate school kids against the virus. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Elizabeth, when you and I were working out the details of this episode, we originally were going to be talking about kids and the vaccine rollout, something that's been going on across the country for the last week or so. But Canada and the world got some big news on the COVID-19 front over the last few days that's kind of reignited everyone's kind of attention and concern. And it involves a variant called Omicron or Omicron, if I'm saying that right. Before we kind of get into what exactly this variant is and why it's concerning, we have some cases in Canada now. And specifically, the first two cases that were identified late last week or over the weekend were in Ottawa. What can you tell us about the initial cases in Ottawa? Very little, actually, but uh, they were announced by the Ontario government um, late Sunday. There was a press conference this morning with the chief medical officer of health. So there's two cases that have been identified as the Omicron variant among people in Ottawa. So those were the first two ID'd in Canada. Mm -hmm. We know there are people who had traveled to Ottawa from Nigeria. And we learned this morning that they had flown into Montreal's airport where they were randomly tested. And those tests were then genotyped and this variant came up. And then this morning further, uh, we were told by Dr. Kieran Moore, who's Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health, that there are two further cases in Ottawa being investigated. They're waiting for the genetic testing to be complete. And there's two more in Hamilton um, in southern Ontario. Federal officials have said, everyone has said virtually that there will be more cases. This morning, Dr. Moore said he fully expects more. There's a whole number of cases from countries that were put on a list that are now being tested and looked at. Mm -hmm. So it's likely cases are here, have been here for a while. A couple of interesting things, I think. One is that Nigeria, although on the African continent, is not in southern Africa, and countries in Southern Africa, including South Africa, which first ID'd this variant on November 9th, I think, and surrounding countries in the South are those where some real travel restrictions have been put on in Canada and around the world. So here we have the first two cases, perhaps more in Canada coming from another part of the world. And also, minute by minute, we're seeing reports of more cases being identified around the world. I, I noticed this morning that Scotland was reporting in the teens the number of cases. I, no, maybe not, but fewer cases. But those include cases among people who hadn't traveled, so being spread within communities there. So, I mean, it does speak to the futility of travel bans, mm -hmm. which certainly Southern Africans have been loud and clear about in the last last couple of days. Omicron was first identified in South Africa, and a lot of people are crediting that to 
the fact that South Africa has quite a robust monitoring system, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the variant is limited to those areas. Right. You know, like Canada announced and other places announced last week that there were banning travel from parts of Southern Africa. But as you said, Nigeria isn't in Southern Africa and is the destination from which people returning to Canada who tested positive for this virus had come. Now, what countries are tied up in the monitoring of it? Like Ottawa Public Health advising anyone who'd been to a handful of countries to immediately isolate and to get tested. Now, what other countries are they talking about? So South Africa, certainly Botswana, it's a handful of countries in the areas surrounding South Africa, and they tend to be smaller ones. So the list currently is South Africa, Botswana, Lesotho, Eswatini, Mozambique, Namibia, and Zimbabwe. The interesting thing is Ontario wants all people who have traveled and come back to Canada from those areas. In fact, they've made PCR testing free for anybody and they want them and a asymptomatic family members. Not on Ontario's list is uh, Nigeria. Ottawa has put Nigeria on the, the list because we have cases from there. So that is the list so far. I mean, it's moving quickly and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, the Ontario, Ontario health officials said they want everybody tested who's returning to Canada. That seems to make the most sense. But part two of that is once it's within your borders, if it spreads as quickly as we know it does, yes, you can't close the borders. You can track, trace, and contact from people bringing it in through the borders, but you can't close them and you need to have policies that deal with it within your population. That's what's the most concerning about this variant so far is the rate with which it can spread, correct? That seems to be one of the things the WHO, I mean, you know, when you think about it, this was first ID'd, I think, November 9th, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. It wasn't identified as a, a variant of concern until late last week. And, you know, all hell kind of broke loose. We haven't really seen this. Even Delta, it was a much slower response. And so the, I think that is to the credit of world health officials, but it's also rattling a lot of people. It rattled financial markets last week and scaring a lot of people. So yeah, one of the things that is so concerning is that it appears to be spreading extremely rapidly and health officials fully believe it'll take over dominance from Delta. And that's what happens with these mutations. They become more successful, they take over. That's what happened with Delta and before that with Alpha. That is to be expected, but there are lots of questions. The other thing about this particular variant is that it has lots and lots of mutations, many more than previous variants that were successful. And many of those mutations are in the spike protein, and that's the protein that could result in immune evasion, meaning that people who had previously had COVID might you know, have not as much protection against this new variant. There are fears that people who are vaccinated might not have as much protection. But those are all things that are unknown right now. And even the quick spread of it, people are seeing that and it's believed that's the case. But whether it's bad in addition to being something that spreads quickly is not really known right now. Countries where vaccine rates aren't as high as countries like Canada, you know, we don't know yet whether it does get past the protection of vaccines or the protection of previous infections. The WHO 
studies are being done, they say, to understand this more. Yeah. And and I think crucially, what is not known about it is how sick it makes people. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been reports from health officials in South Africa saying the cases they've seen are mild. They're not seeing serious sickness with it. Um, The cases in the hospital are Delta, not this new, you know, so that's not evidence yet. However, often this is how viruses mutate. They spread more quickly, but they might become somewhat milder over time. That's a possibility. We just don't know. As of right now, you said this morning that the health officials in Ottawa held a press conference to detail the cases so far. There's no indication that this is going to lead to more restriction measures. Right now, it's kind of a monitoring and testing and trying to see how widespread the issue is. Well, that's a question. Ontario has been very cautious and has taken great pride in being that cautious about reopening, but it has slowly loosened restrictions this fall, including gathering numbers inside and how many people can go inside restaurants that demand proof of vaccination and so forth. And the province has largely said, we're not going back from this, but if there are problems, it's going to be a regional response. So we have already seen that cases are going up in Ontario right now. And we've seen regions where they're unusually high start to put restrictions back in. Whether Ottawa does that is an open question, and I don't have an answer to that. It wouldn't be done by the province at this point. Yeah. And today it sounded like the chief medical officer was saying, you know, we're counting on local regions. But the case counts in Ottawa are not, they're going up, but they're not huge right now. So we just don't know. So We'll be right back. Now, this is all coming at a time when one of the big pieces of the vaccine picture is finally getting addressed. You know, there was concern through the fall, at least especially at where I am in Alberta, that we're seeing more cases among young people, people under the age of 12, because they weren't eligible for vaccinations and Delta was starting to set in here. Now we're we're seeing kids age 5 to 11 across the country starting to get vaccinated, but a variant that could get past the protection of vaccination starts to put a bit of fear into people's minds that, you know, maybe these vaccines came too late. There's these mutations out there. Does it take the wind out of the sails a little bit for people who are starting to see the hope of getting their kids vaccinated? Or is the fact that we can get kids under 12 vaccinated is still seen as like a positive step forward to hopefully address and bring case numbers down? I think probably there is some variance across the country, but where I sit, it's seen as a hugely positive advance. People were, you know, literally counting the days till um, they could get their kids vaccinated. I think the response to this variant largely would be that kids, we can now get them vaccinated. That adds a, a huge number to the population to keep it from spreading within the community in addition to third doses or boosters for older people. So I think there is some variance in the way people feel about these vaccines for children. But here, largely, we're seeing, you know, almost a festive atmosphere around these vaccination clinics and what appears to be a pretty rapid uptick just in the first few days that they've been available. So Initially, with COVID, the thinking was that these younger kids were not as severely affected by COVID-19, so vaccinating them wasn't as great a need. But as I mentioned earlier, 
we're seeing a fourth wave in Canada. The kids are quite vulnerable as we see new variants. You know, where you are in Ottawa, how much of the fourth wave has involved cases in kids? There have been a lot of outbreaks in schools. Yes, there have been more kids than at any other time because they're a large unvaccinated cohort. So yes, I think around the country it's gotten younger and that has involved kids, which it didn't generally before. It's a big target right now. I mean, people are saying everyone unvaccinated is going to get this coronavirus at some point, and it's a big vulnerability within the community. In our city of a million people, that population is uh, 77,000, I think. So it's a big chunk that couldn't be vaccinated and can now and makes a difference, if not just to the number of children being infected, but to it being in the community. So other people who are vulnerable have a bigger chance of getting it as well. Is there expected to be lower uptake for kids in this age group? Partly because there's less concern about a severe outcome for younger kids if they get sick, and partly because there's a lot of debate out there in the internet about whether they're safe for kids. And I think that there's a lot of people pushing misinformation about the efficacy and the safety of vaccine for kids. Do you feel that that could lead to, or are officials worried that that could lead to parents not getting their younger kids vaccinated? I think it does depend. I saw some data, which I think was polling done by ECOS, that found, uh, depending on your political party support, there was huge enthusiasm or no enthusiasm for having children vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And of people they surveyed, 4% of liberal NDP supporters said they would not vaccinate their kids. That rose to 55% of Conservative Party of Canada supporters and 100% of the People's Party of Canada supporters. Now, A, this is not a huge survey. B, one can suspect a large proportion of those people being asked don't have kids in this age group. And I think that makes a pretty big difference, actually, to how you feel about it. (laughs) In theory, it might be one thing when it's your own children. I think there's a big difference. So, I mean, Canada generally has high vaccination rates. And the difference is there are pockets where there is hesitation. I know there are pockets in Alberta and other parts of the country, but overall, the vaccination rates are high. So people who are vaccinated themselves, I think we're seeing they are extremely happy to have their children vaccinated. I have not heard of a lot of crossover of people who would get the vaccine themselves, but yet are hesitant when it comes to their kid. I think there's certainly questions and people want reassurance and they want to talk to people and all those resources are being made available. But people themselves who are hesitant, who wouldn't get vaccinated, they're unlikely to get the vaccine for their kids either. So. And where you are in Ottawa, the vaccine uptake for teens is quite high, correct? Yeah, it's, I believe, the highest in the province, and it's higher than the average population. So I think that's a good marker. Teens are over 90% vaccinated in this city. And, you know, within hours, almost, I think a third of kids between 5 and 11 had been registered to be vaccinated. Now, out here in Alberta, kids under 12, anyway, are not included in vaccine passport restrictions. So they don't have to show their proof of vaccine or won't have to show their proof of vaccine to go out with their parents to a restaurant, stuff like that. Do you know if Ontario is following suit or or will kids be required to show proof of vaccination to go to restaurants or events or other places? It doesn't sound like it based on some recent questions to the chief medical officer. It's not in place now. (laughs) And he has been asked whether that would be coming and it, it seems highly unlikely. 
And when it comes to the actual vaccine itself, are kids getting just like a lower dose of the original formulation of Pfizer or has Canada had to bring in a formulation specifically made for kids that young? My understanding is it's the same formulation, but it's about a third of the amount that adults, anyone over 12 received. Okay. And as of now, authorities have laid out plans for two doses for kids, like with the adult vaccines. But as we're hearing now that it's probably good for adults to get a third dose, perhaps six months after their first two doses. Has there been talk yet as to whether kids will need third doses down the line, or is that something that's still being studied? Yeah, I think that's still being studied. I mean, obviously, the children's vaccines are behind when it comes to testing and what we know about it. And also, there's children under five yet to qualify for vaccination. So it wouldn't be surprising. There seems to be a growing consensus that these aren't boosters. This is a three-dose vaccine, as some are. You know, some other vaccines come in three doses, and that's just the way it works. So that would not be at all surprising. Lastly, there are people who have been saying that we're all just part of some grand human experiment with these vaccines, and now we're bringing kids into the mix, very young children. You know, what trials or testing did these pediatric vaccines go through? So they went through trials. The fact that they weren't approved for more than a year after the adult ones, they did go through trials. There were smaller trials, as opposed to the adult trials of this Pfizer dose, there were no serious adverse events. Now, as I say, it was a smaller cohort, but what's probably reassuring are two things. I mean, mRNA vaccines, I know they're a target of some people and they're a huge target of misinformation. They've been in the works for decades. That is why these were developed as seemingly quickly, but they were developed that quickly, A, because we had a lot of cases in the world, so you could test against them quickly, and B, because there was a lot of money thrown at doing this because of its importance. So Mm -hmm. these are tested, um, but we've also now seen about 3 million or more doses administered to children between 5 and 11 in the U.S., which for us should offer a huge amount of comfort to parents because they have not seen in those 3 million doses severe adverse events. I think fatigue is a big one and children do seem to get more sore at the injection site, but um, nothing more serious than that. And that's where we would be seeing it. It's it's on the ground that these would show up. Mm -hmm. You know, as we know, children get vaccinated all the time. That's who get most of the vaccines, frankly. So, you know, people are concerned. There's lots going on here, but there's lots of reason to be confident about the safety of these vaccines. The world has been watching it definitely with Omicron and that Canada has been following closely when it comes to the vaccine rollout for kids and something we'll be keeping an eye on over the next several weeks. Elizabeth, thanks for your time. Okay, thank you very much. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Elizabeth Payne. More from her at ottawacitizen.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.